Hi, and welcome to Loud Conversations. My name is Colleen Batchelder, and I am thrilled to encourage you, empower you, and equip you to truly live out your destiny. Now, today I am with a wonderful good friend of mine, a new friend of mine, Josiah Kennealy. Now, if I got your name wrong, don't, don't punish me. <laughs> Did I get it right? Yes. Oh, yes. perfect. Wonderful. Now, Loud Conversations is a show that we interview the top influencers of this generation who are truly making a difference. Now, just a little bit about Josiah. So he's the director of Normandale Chi Alpha in Bloomington, Minnesota. And he co-pastors alongside his wife, Micah, with a movement called Minnesota Young Adults. Yeah. And he's also the author of an incredible book called Debtless that is truly making an impact on those who are struggling with student debt, credit mm -hmm. card debt, especially in this generation. Debt is such a big key word that's really happening within the structures of the church and outside the church. It's becoming a burden upon so many people. So let's just start a little bit about Chi Alpha. Explain to us what that is for those that are unfamiliar. Yeah, well, Colleen, first of all, just uh, it's great to be here with yeah. you, with listeners or viewers. However, you're watching this or listening, we're just glad to have you a part of the loud conversation today. And Colleen, thanks so much for having me on. Really oh, fun. Definitely. This is fun. It's great. I'm excited. And so, yeah, Chi Alpha is, um, is a campus ministry here in the United States, and it is nationally as well. Um, but in the U.S., there's about 28,000 students okay. on 320 or 25 campuses. And so what my wife, Mike, and I get to do every day is be missionaries, campus missionaries and college pastors at Normandale Community College. It's actually the place that I started out my education about 11 years ago. And so Normandale is in Bloomington. It's our largest community college in Minnesota. There's 15,000 students. Oh, so it's, wow. it's actually only second to the U of M, University of Minnesota, as far as student population. But in 50 years of existence, there's never been a Chi Alpha. There's not been a campus ministry like this. And so Chi Alpha exists to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. And we're in our first year. We're actually just um, weeks away from finals for students. And our prayer really is for every student at Normandale until all have seen and heard about the good news, the gospel of Jesus. So we're a student-led, servant-minded, and salvation-seeking ministry at Normandale Community College, and we love it. Oh, that's great. That must be so powerful to be in a place where you were so many years ago and then see how you can make an impact in the lives of students. Was there a Christian group for you when you were, when you were there? Sally, no. Really? Wow. That, that has to be incredible, though, because to me, it seems like students go through so much struggle when it comes to, you know, being on their own for the first time, heading into that what's my calling, you know, situation. So having that spiritual leadership beside them yeah. must be so powerful. Right. And our school is unique because there's yeah. not dorm rooms. And there's yeah. not um, sports. So the two biggest things that university campuses rally around, uh, the dorms and the athletics, we don't have. So the thing missing at Normandale is community. Mm. And it's in our name. And in, in our hearts, that's what Mike and I are, is yeah. community builders for the, the kingdom cause. Wow, so. that's great. And what are some ways that you and your wife, Micah, have been able to build community with those students? You know, I think the, the first thing that we did is we just gathered the believers that we knew and started meeting weekly. So every Tuesday, all, all semester and all year long, we've been having our weekly gathering. Every single week, Colleen, there's been new students who attend. 
um, we started a prayer walk with actually just two students, myself and my wife, Micah. Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is um, the other week, nine students showed up. Just the prayer walk around the campus. And so I think that what we're seeing is even one of the things that we do every month is we do a family dinner, family supper. Uh And we just say Acts 2, 42 through 47. There was this, Mm -hmm. there was once this community of believers that they devoted themselves to the the apostles teaching, which is God's word, Mm -hmm. prayer, fellowship, and breaking bread together. So we model ourselves after this early church and Mm -hmm. It's amazing to see that when we bring pizza, the students show up and they're more <laughs> excited about the events. Um, we've done some really well-planned, programmed events, but I think what they're most excited about is sharing a meal, hearing each mm. other's stories, having friends, yeah. having a, a community, a family to be involved with. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so powerful because to me, it's like you look at the verses that says, you know, do not neglect the fellowship of believers. Yes. And we automatically assume, okay, that's the church building. It has a steeple. It has a bell, you know, very orderly idea. But to me, it's just that idea of fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're missing that in so many churches that millennials are hungering for. That's good. Yeah. True. It's just, so that, that's exciting to hear what you and your wife are doing. You're truly implementing true fellowship amongst the different people there. Mm-hmm. Wow, that has to be. You now, how has has working with college students really given you a passion and an excitement to what's happening with this, this generation? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, you had asked earlier, have I always had a question? Have I yes. you asked the question? Have I always had a passion for reaching college students? And the short answer is yes. From the moment I became a college student myself, I realized man, I have a heart to reach my peers, to know Jesus and to make him known mm-hmm. in our generation. And even like now, even more so, and God's given us a vision to see thousands of college students and young adults reach with the gospel. He's asked us to be spiritual, strong shepherds, mm-hmm. generational difference makers, passionate pioneers. And so what we're seeing, Colleen, is new campus ministries are launched all the time. We're yeah. seeing students rise up like never before. We're seeing um, just breakthrough spiritually on our campuses and others and more churches. This is what's especially encouraging to me is calling more churches than I've ever seen in the past seven years are making intentional efforts to reach college students, to connect with them and um, for young adults for 20 somethings. And so we get to see young adult ministries start all around the state of Minnesota and sometimes around the nation. And that's really exciting to see what God's doing. Oh, that's great. And it's always powerful, I think, when you have the church unified in that vision. So not only you having a heart for college students, but also the church having that that back as well. Now, kind of tell us a little bit about your background. Did you always, did you grow up in the church? What what, what is your spiritual journey like? Yeah, my parents met at a church in Bloomington, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. mid-1980s. It's a church that later I actually went on staff at that church for seven years. Oh, wow. How cool. Ministry. So that's uh, a little bit of my background, but I grew up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. gave my life to Christ. Uh, I was five years old at a Billy Graham event in Minneapolis. Huh. So there's just been this passion and, and belief in the core mm-hmm. of who I am with everything that I am. I just believe that God has a plan for my life mm-hmm. and for everyone who follows him. He has a plan for our lives. And yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's been I, my journey. I love always talking to people that have like that, that relationship with Christ really early. I was three years old when I accepted Christ. And I remember, I mean, it hasn't been out without struggle or trial, mm-hmm. but it's just when you have a relationship with Christ so long, 
you build so many memories and so many depth to a relationship that I feel like is missing in a lot of people. So it's just, it's a joy to have that anomaly in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's, that's great. Now, now how does all this kind of connect to you have this young adult ministry where you're working with churches to help them start different young adult ministries and minister to that age group. So how, tell us a little bit about that. Well, 2012, um, I was probably about 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I was, I had my own dorm dream. I had a okay. moment where I literally saw a vision, mm-hmm. black and white moving motion graphic where I saw literally thousands of young people mm-hmm. lifting up one name, Jesus, just mm-hmm both hands raised on their knees in a moment of surrender and encountering the King of Kings. And so that's what got me started um, working at um, a church, a mega church here in the Twin Cities for six, seven years, pioneered a young adult ministry that had never existed, went to over 200 young adults. Um, And my wife is from North Dakota at the same time. She helped pioneer a ministry there that they saw the same type of growth. Nothing was happening. So the two of you really had a passion to reach that generation. And we never knew each other. There was this moment in in 2014 where we met and there was just this uh, dynamic synergy of uh, two worlds colliding, um, but just running our race together. And so um, I think what had happened is in our denomination or movement of churches, um, there's about 243 Assembly of God churches in Minnesota. Okay. And our leadership approached us when we got married in 2017, had seen what God had done at the church we were on staff at and just said, would you help other churches um, with this area of, of the, and for us, it's one of the greatest joys in our life is to help yeah. the gospel expand and help young adult ministries be formed and started. So we're all about reaching sinners, yeah, raising believers, and then releasing leaders into mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. So we believe we do that by building relationships with mm-hmm. one another, creating resources that each other can kind of this idea lab, kind of this um, meeting of the minds, and then also just having rallying points for young adult leaders, as well as young adults themselves to rally around. Um, because we believe those rallying points, relationships, and resources will help us Stop just researching a generation to reach them with relationships. Mm. The vision is that every church in the Twin Cities and throughout Minnesota and ultimately someday in America, that every church would have a young adult ministry of some sort. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I love what you talked about, the idea of going from assumption to going to relationship. And a lot of the times churches are so overwhelmed by their research and, and a lot of the times it keeps them from really reaching that generation because they've generalized. And so understanding that individual, getting to know them, them getting to know you, I think is such a powerful display of the gospel. So it's much more, as I would say, conversational. <laughs> so it's yeah. a loud conversation. Yeah. Right there. It's going from categorical, this yep. generalization of a generation. Yep. Down to the personal relationship, down to the one-on-one, down to the cup of coffee and just, um, you know, personal relationships are so, so key in this area. Yeah, yeah that's powerful. That's great. Now, what, what are some ways that you as you and your wife as both millennial leaders mm. lead differently? And what are some aspects that you're bringing to the church that they haven't quite done yet? 
Well, that's a great question. I think 18 to 30 year olds, first of all, is I think we defined it. It's yeah. not direct definition. It's not the only definition, but we offered a definition is who is a young adult? And mm. for us, we think that's anybody 18 to 30. And mm. I know even that is a massive difference. A 30 year old is so yeah. different than an 18 year old. But within that, you have college age, college students. Yep early career, single young adults, you have mm -hmm. young couples um, without kids. And so I think that um, what we've done is just model our ministry after the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus built a ministry around mm -hmm. disciples who were teens and 20-somethings themselves. That's and, true. That's true. And right? a lot of people forget that. They never touch on that within the church. And I think the church, us as yeah. ministry leaders, would do well to mm. observe that and to implement the strategy of the Jesus way. Yeah. And, um, there's such a, a grace and peace pace that comes from um, just the, the pace of Jesus and the, the model that he had. And mm. I, I just see two options before us as the, the capital C church. The one option, it's, it's kind of a finan financial analogy, if you will. Yeah. I see on one hand, you have a mortgage. Let's just say you want to buy a home. 30-year mortgage is kind of typical industry standard. And what if somebody paid their mortgage for 18 years and then all of a sudden just stopped paying it? Mm. Their option is foreclosure. Mm -hmm. The other option is a continual investment that one day there will be a return on that investment. Owning a home, having a return on that investment. Or in this case, in our case of spiritual life, I, I think I see a lot of churches that invest in uh, nurseries as they should children's ministry, which is awesome. Yeah. Ministry. And I, I love, uh, I'm a product of, you know, infant children's and youth ministry, but I, I don't think we should lower the bar on that. I think the bar mm -hmm. is set across the nation, but what I think we need to do is raise the bar to equal for college students, for 18 to 30 year olds, for 20 somethings exactly, to reach young adults. And so I believe when we do that and what we're seeing with churches is when they invest intentionally, there is such a dynamic return on that investment, evangelism, discipleship. Um, it's, it's an idea virus that God willing will spread. Mm -hmm. that, that's exciting. And to me, it's almost like when you're at that place and you're able to invest in young adults, you're not only investing in potential leaders, you're investing in leaders. So good. And so the return on investment for churches is actually very viable because yes. you're in a situation where you're partnering now with adults, the desire to ministry, the desire to step into those positions, and now they're given the opportunity. And so it's that mutual mentorship back and forth. So as you said, you know, you look at different churches and they do invest millions or thousands of dollars into those ministries of bringing up those that are in adulthood. But the problem is when you look at those that are 24 and they don't quite fit into the constructs of, you know, this ministry or youth ministry, they mm -hmm. feel like the church has forgotten about them. Yep. So having that relationship like Jesus did with the 12 disciples of, you know, how, how are we working together? How are we actually being a family at one would improve the church dynamically? Well, there's a great movie. My dad yeah. and I grew up watching it. Uh, it's called Field of Dreams. Yes. About a yeah. baseball field, this guy, this farmer, and he, he heard a voice and he kind of had this insane vision or dream. Mm -hmm. And he heard this whisper in his head, if you build it, and it was more like a um. borderline creepy <laughs> whisper, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. And yeah. 
I believe that God's just downloading in my heart and my spirit that those words are as true as ever when it mm -hmm. comes to young adult ministry. It's like the second that there is a young adult button on a church's website, it says, we're thinking of you. We're yes. praying for you. We're, we're expecting that you will come and show mm -hmm. up. And when you offer a ministry that's geared towards millennials, geared towards Generation Z, they notice, mm -hmm. they feel welcome. They feel wanted. They feel like they're not only on heaven's radar, but they're on our radar as leaders. Mm. And they're not just the next generation. Um, it's not just about potential. They're the now generation and there's mm -hmm. opportunity to explore and lead. So Exactly. That, and I love that analogy, just having that button. It lets them know, as you said, heaven coming down to earth by yeah. actually being the hands and the feet of Christ. Yeah. So that's great. Now, now, you stepped out in a very big way. And you stepped out in from the, from the idea of, of building to the idea of now generation um, in your new book, Debtless. So mm -hmm. tell us about that. What was the experience of starting a book from scratch and that whole process? Well, I think the biggest question is why in the world did I do this in the first <laughs> place? And yeah. In my last role, six years on staff as a young adult ministry pastor at a large church in Minneapolis, I cannot tell you, Colleen, how many times that young adults would come into my office, mm. sit on the couch, and maybe they were current college students or recent graduates, and they would come some of them crying with tears in their eyes, many stressed out. Some were even anxious or depressed about how they had taken out too many student loans. And my prayer was always for them in that moment and to offer help and aid in that moment. But at the same time, I always prayed and thought, I wish I could have talked to you five years ago. And in my own academic journey, I remember being uh, 16 years old, yeah. stressed out as a young person and wondering if uh, going to college was even, even an option for me and my family financially. That's when God entered the scene and I was able to, to get a job, start earning college credits. I was not able to go to college only. I was not able to only go to college, but I was able to get my degrees completely debt free. And so I know that that's kind of a, an anomaly. I learned that as soon as I graduated. It's like, people are like, how did you do this? But I also, because that's kind of, you know, anecdotal to say, well, I talked to some young adults in the Twin Cities and they were stressed out and my story's an anomaly. I, I graduated debt-free, but I did research. It was for my capstone uh, project in grad school. Okay. I realized a few things. First of all, Colleen, one out of every four college students this year right now mm -hmm. is a first-generation college student. So really? that means their older brother or sister didn't go. Mm -hmm. That means their mom or dad, grandpa or grandma, aunt or uncle, they did not go. So these are generational trendsetters. They are generational leaders. Um, but 45% of those same college students surveyed said that nobody told them that there was any other way to pay for college besides mm. student loans. And you talked about it. The swipe is the hype in our generation. It's kind yeah. of that swipe in faith. God, I, I hope, you know, I'm going to swipe and just hope that there's enough yeah. for it later. Yeah. And similarly, 40% of current students have no idea how much they actually have in student loans right now. Really? You see that as a problem? Yes, yeah. Massive problem. And so the, mm -hmm. the national average we found in our, our team of researchers, yeah. we saw that in 2017, um, the average college student had $27,000 in student loans, and they hadn't uh, received their diploma yet, meaning they're a current student. 
Wow. And, and the problem is, and then they can't go for higher education. So it's just, it, it's or, this constant, constant need for more loans. So it gets you more or, in debt. Or you want to get married. Yeah. Now there's two of you yeah. and you both have that much in student mm. loans and it just doubled. Or you want to start a business as an entrepreneur and you can't get a bank loan if you have a certain number of uh, debt, outstanding debt. And then I look at maybe you're called into ministry or um, vocational missions or overseas yeah. humanitarian efforts. And, and you can't do that because debt is killing dreams. So I believe that less debt is better than more debt. Debt mm -hmm. kills dreams. It delays destinies. But financial freedom, the way of Jesus, it's it's all about generosity. It's all about freedom and it unlocks destinies. Mm -hmm. It helps dreams go from dream to realization. Mm -hmm. So Debtless is actually a book about a message of hope, a yes. message of inspiration for a generation, but it's also filled with other stories. It's filled mm -hmm. with practical next steps for a, a current student or a future student. Um, how to go to college with little to no debt. Mm. So all in all, there's 10 tips in the book that okay. was helping students take on less debt. And a few of them, just to summarize the spark notes, yeah. um, earn college credits while you're in high school. So yeah, many great idea. that we meet are not taking four years um, of college. They actually only have to take three years when they get to a university because they've got AP or honors or college in the schools or maybe PSEO and I think another tip is go to a community college for two years. Yeah. Transfer then to a, a four-year university. Um, yeah. That, that was my story. I did. I was debtless up until the only time that I ever took out student loans was during my doctorate. And so right? it was, yes, I went to, I did the associate's degree first. And so then I good. chose to actually go to a Bible college slash bachelor's program that Same. did a, a duality study. And so I would work part of the time at the school and then I would get the, the credits as well. So that got down cost. But yes, people need to, it, it, it's that creativity and that innovation yes. that really get, gives you the chance to be doubtless. But I love the fact also too, that not only did you write this book that's practical, but it's also very authentic. It's mm. part of your story. Yeah. And so you graduated debtless. Well, yeah. And, and my, my journey was, there's a lot of hard work. You, you can yes. relate to a lot of hard work, but it is so worth it. And mm -hmm. I think that there was a recent study that the Dave Ramsey team, Ramsey Solutions okay. did. They found that students who um, worked at least 20 hours a week while they're in school had higher GPAs than really? who didn't work. Huh. And my hypothesis is maybe it's because they watched less Netflix or they had to learn time management, but applying for scholarships, um, the idea of generosity, there was mm. a time, one of my favorite stories is I applied for a scholarship that I forgot I even applied for. It was my senior year of college at North okay. Central University, and they allow all the students to apply for a, a one month um, trip to Israel, trip to the Holy Land, walk where mm -hmm. Jesus walked, read the Bible where the Bible is written yep. and takes place in the Holy Land. And on my last day of chapel, I remember my first day of chapel in college, I felt like the Holy Spirit just whispered to me and just the voice of God in my heart just said, you're exactly where you belong. Then mm. on my last day of chapel, they called my name. I had no idea why. And they're like, hey, you won the scholarship trip to Israel. You'll earn master's degree credits to go and study abroad in Israel. And I, I heard yeah. that same whisper. See, this was exactly where you belong. And so, you know, I think 
applying for scholarships. There's so many, like you said, Colleen, creative ways for mm -hmm. students to roll up their sleeves, pull up the bootstraps and get creative, get to work. And um, you can totally do it. Yeah. Now, for, for our listeners out there that are looking for, you know, maybe they're in tons of debt right now, or maybe they're yeah. just looking at college applications as we speak. What yeah. are three practical ways that they can actually get to college and graduate debt-free? Yeah, I think for the first group that you just talked about, it's yep. the future student. You're about mm -hmm. to walk the stage and get your diploma in like 19 days, and we're all cheering you on. You can do it. The senior slide is over. And I think for you, I'd say if you're out of debt right now, stay out of debt. You mm. can do it. Um, work your way through college. Um, I think the number one is to, to get serious about maybe finding summer work, finding a, a job that you can work flexibly even on campus or yeah. near campus. Um, because I think the number one tip that helped me the most was working while I was in school. I was able to pay cash and just work, you know, pay as I go. I think that's the first tip. I think the second tip is apply for scholarships. You will not receive 100% of the scholarships that you don't apply for. Good tip. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But, well, it, it's like being disappointed that your prayers are never answered if you never actually get on your knees and pray. Bingo. 100% of our prayers we don't pray go unanswered. 100% mm -hmm. of the scholarships that we never apply for, someone else is awarded or yeah. we, they just go null and void. And so I'd say the third tip is my most controversial tip by far. Okay. So I preface it with that. Okay. We're, we're a, ready. We're on the edge of our seats right now. <laughs> we're ready. Of, of um, uh, fan mail about this, <laughs> meaning people disagree, but I think living at home, mm. at least for your first two years, do community college or choose the university or college that's within commuting distance. I think that that helps cut your cost for two years in half. Oh, definitely. And then yeah. for kind of a compromise. I did that all four years, but um, for maybe compromise, work with me here. The first two years, live at home, go to a community college. The second two years, transfer, get the whole college and university experience, live on campus, live it up. And you'll be able to afford it because you were working the whole time mm -hmm. and not having to pay for a room and board, which helps you um, stay debt-free the second two years as well. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. I, I loved it. I did, I lived with my parents for the associate's degree. Exactly. And then I went, when I went to the Bible college for the bachelor program, I, I did it over there. But it was, to me, it's almost like the college experience, you never want the burden of debt. Yes. with that experience because then so, you can't really enjoy it. <laughs> so I'd rather be debt free and truly invest in that time than, you know, have that worry behind me. Ramen noodles taste better without debt sprinkled. Yes. In. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's very true. But I know Colleen, you had asked, what about the student who is hopeless yeah. or mm -hmm. they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling yeah. stressed out, they're yeah. in college. Or did have that good counsel when they first started college. Right, right. Yes. They're in their dorm room right now listening or driving. You know, I, I just think um, for you, for those who are struggling with that, my message would be there is hope, mm. there's, there's help, and there's a lot of hard work ahead. But part number one, the first thing that I would say is if you can stop the bleeding, 
and lower your expenses. So the first thing you can do to get out of debt is lower your expenses and stop the bleeding. Don't drive a new car, sell your car loan, um, liquidate your, start getting good at selling things on eBay to, to earn cash, to pay things off faster. Or there's this phenomenon now about the side hustle. You know, yes. Working yeah. a full-time job, but doing your side hustle, being a full-time yes. student, but having your side hustle, being an entrepreneur, but having your side hustle, doing Uber or Lyft or Fiverr yeah. or Upwork. A lot of these things are just creative ways. There is no shortage of ways that a young person could make money or the ideas that spark in the dorm room will change the world outside the dorm you know, the four years of college will prepare you and the rest of the world for the next 40 years and beyond. And so the second part then would be to raise your level of income. Um, you know, and, and I touched on that with the side hustle, but if you can lower the expenses and raise your income, you're going to be able to pay off those bills a lot faster. You're going to be able to have to, to go after your dreams. And the coolest thing and Colleen, you know, this when you're debt free, you can work any job you want yeah. to. You can make any amount of money that you want to or yeah. don't want to. Because well, I think one of the things that is said of millennials and Generation Z that I would definitely um, validate is that we're a high-impact generation. Yes. We're cause-driven. We want to make a difference. Tangible. And the biggest thing also, too, is it's almost like when you're debt-free, especially when yes. I first started loud and got into this business structure, yes. people always think that businesses are going to always succeed you have to leave a cushion for failure because you can't succeed without failure. And so when you're debt free and you have that cushioning both financially, you know, spiritually and whatnot, you need one, a good team to give you that cushioning, but you yes. also need to be in a good place financially. Yes. So that when those failures come, you can reorient yourself, figure out what works, what didn't work, and then go to success because it's not just a straight ladder. People forget that when they're entrepreneurs. Yeah. You said it so well, and I just have to say for listeners out there, I am inspired today talking to Colleen and hearing even before we hit record for this part of the podcast, just hearing her vision with the Loud Summit and the oh, thank other you. conversations that are happening. And there, um, there are other leaders who are going to be inspired, I think, Colleen, by your leadership and by your step of faith and courageous boldness, this audacious faith to pursue a vision, to pursue a dream, to, you know, say, I'm not, I'm not going to just stay complacent with the status quo. I want to go after all that God has for me. So thanks for your model of leadership. Oh, well, thank you. That, that's really, that's such a blessing. I appreciate it. And I love the fact where to me, it's almost like, you know, you, like my, my vision is yes, you live out your destiny. But yes. I think what you're bringing to the table is so powerful and so profitable is a lot of the times ministry is never brought together with practicality yep. and you need the two to merge. Yes. If you have a vision from the Lord, God bless you. That's wonderful. But you need to have the will of God alongside healthy boundaries. <laughs> so, and oh, having man. that idea of financial, where are you in a financial set? How are you doing things you know, profitably for your company? Are you moving at the right speed that can balance you financially? So vision without healthy boundaries will always lead you to failure. Yeah. Um, so great. That's, that's one of, I, I really appreciate that. Of course. You know, but this has been great. And I'm so excited to really delve into your book, Debtless. Um, I know for my own life and I know for others, I'm definitely going to pass this on because it's just so profitable. To me, it's almost like no matter what your age or where you are, 
in your look at debt, whether it's student debt or credit card debt, or if you're getting married and you're worried about, am I, am I going to be honest with my, (laughs) with my future spouse about this? There is a way out. It's Josiah, as you said, there's hope. There's Mm -hmm. a light at the end of the tunnel. And so before we get set on our, our famous loud questions, what is one book or one role model who's really ministered to your life? Wow, that's a, a really great question. There are many, from my parents to my um, the guy who is my youth pastor, um, yeah. our friends, best friends to this day. Um, I think one person who is really um, has just imprinted on my soul a lot is actually Louis Giglio. Louis yes. and his wife Shelley, they they pastor the Passion Movement, um, and they they have done. I think 20 some years of passion conferences and um, also now have passion city church, but I've tried to read everything that I can get my hands on of what Louis Giglio has to say about um, Goliath must fall. I'm excited to read his newest book. That's going to come out soon. And just the idea of a comeback. And um, as far as the vision that God's given me that I can see when I close my eyes is it's so similar to the passion movement and mm. just all about the glory of God and reaching yeah. a generation to know him and uh, to make him known. So yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Hard to pick just one, but yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. As you can see all my books in the back. So there's, there's yes. too many favorite books that I have, but I, well, you know what I'm excited. And I know listeners are excited, are so excited to see, you know, where God leads your vision in the next five wow. years. To me, it's almost like, I know it's going to be impactful. I know it's going to truly, you know, reach this generation because there is hope for this generation. There are leaders who are rising up, who are truly standing in the gap. Um, And thank you for being one of them. So it's a joy. This is such a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. To do this. This Best thing ever. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And so lastly, we are ready for our famous loud questions. The first one is this. Get ready, get set. What is your favorite part of your life? These are good questions. <laughs> Hands down, my favorite part of my life is um, being married to my wife, Micah. Nice. She Aww. is um, such a Christ-like example of love to me and to the world around us. She makes life so much fun. Everything is better if Micah is going to be there. Um, she makes me better. She pulls out the greatness and calls out the greatness in me. And mm-hmm. I would say being married to her doing life and ministry together, following after, running after, chasing after the call of God mm-hmm. together is the highlight of my life and the greatest thing that's ever happened to me by far. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I love the fact that you both co-pastor and just have like that same vision um, for the generation. That's powerful. And then number two is what is the most outrageous thing that you've ever had to eat? <laughs> Man, I, I have to stop and think about this, but um, both... Um, sushi and um, shrimp. I had never had sushi or shrimp until I was in my early 20s. Really? But at the same time, Colleen, one thing about me, I love to try anything new. If, if If we're in a room and there's a group and they need a volunteer, I like to be the first to volunteer. I think that's one of the the calls of the leader. And uh, I hadn't tried either sushi or shrimp. And now, you know what? I love both. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're such, it's one of your favorite food groups. I can, you'll <laughs> yes. have to try if you're adventurous. If you ever go to Hong Kong, um, chicken brain, uh, wow. fish eye, fish eye is actually not that bad. It's a little bit crunchy. 
And then also to jellyfish. So, <laughs> those those are your three next adventures right there for Asia. Amen. Yeah, That's and fun. then number number three is when have you felt like an underdog, and how have you overcome? Man, um, I love the depth of this question. You know, I would say to be transparent, the the last year of my life, especially looking one year ago today, mm. where I, I was at, and and to see where God has brought me. I would say is easily one of the most challenging seasons in my life. Um, I transitioned out of a role on, on staff at a church doing young adult ministry, but it was a very visible role. Um, there was, you know, hundreds, if not a few thousand people who knew me and really liked me um, for the most part and, and really respected the work that I was doing. And then we left the church staff to pioneer this brand new college ministry called Chi Alpha at Normandale. And at the same time, we were shifting some things around to have more time and effort to invest in a Minnesota young adult. Some of the things we've talked about, but I felt like I was going um, from a season of being really well known to almost um, like celebrated yeah, you know, to almost anonymity and being anonymous and maybe obscure. People didn't always understand why God called us to do this. And that was really challenging. Um, just even the amount of text messages or emails dropped off a little bit. And so I, how did I overcome? Um, it's, it's a daily thing, but I read a book that changed and revolutionized my prayer life, my walk with God, and just life in general. Mm -hmm. It's by Dr. Alicia Britt Choley. It's called Anonymous. Oh, cool. Okay. And that book was so deeply encouraging to my soul. Mm. She, she talked about each of the seasons, you know, winter. It looks like the trees are barren, but they're not bare. Mm. Or they're bare, but they're not barren. Mm -hmm. And she talked about spring and the blossom of hope that that brings. Summer and just the, the sunshine and all of that. But then fall each of those is a season that might be viewed as obscure. We might be viewed as misunderstood. We might be viewed as anonymous or even the underdog is the way you put it. And I took great comfort in, in studying the life of Jesus in that in the first 30 years of Jesus life, here he is the son of God, fully man, fully God. And he was vastly anonymous for 30 yes. years. Yeah. And in three years of his life, we know through the gospel accounts and through, through scripture, we have an accurate account of about 10% of the Messiah's life. Mm -hmm. She offers this as if we are 10% known and we are 90% anonymous, mm -hmm. that's a Christ-like example of balance. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Because you even think of the verse where it says, you know, prophet is not honored in his, in his own hometown. So it's just the life of Christ was very anonymous yes obscure. But, we're yeah. in good company we're never alone we're not forsaken yeah. yes. and so that um has been so encouraging yeah. books of dr alicia britcholi very helpful well, i'll have to check that out that sounds great that sounds like wonderful and the last one is what is the most daring thing that you've ever done i love rushes of adrenaline if it's okay. trying something new for food thanks for your recommendations on that i'd say the most daring thing that I've ever done is a tie between asking uh, Micah to, to go out on a first date with okay. me. <laughs> yes, yeah. And as well as when, um, when I actually proposed to her, 
Yeah. There's, there's a video going, or there's mm-hmm. cameras going, and it was at the Grand Canyon. Okay. Because, um, she had once told me her favorite place on planet Earth is the Grand Canyon. I oh, never cool. said anything about it ever again. Yeah. And I've never been there. Okay. So uh, took her there one day. It was supposed to be breakfast. It turned out oh. to be breakfast in another state. And then um, I just remember shaking. I was sweating. I was so nervous. It was totally daring. It's like praying you have the ring somewhere, you know, checking yes. the pockets. And, and people were like, Josiah, what would you have said if she said no? I was like, I don't know. Push me. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that was pretty daring. We hope to skydive someday so the daring and the adventures of God are never done. Yep. Nice. nice. I, I can't imagine. I will admit, I give guys credit. <laughs> so I, I'm glad I was born a girl for that situation. I would not want to be the asker. Uh, so, but this has been a wonderful conversation and just so encouraging to me. It's almost like, as we've talked about before, there's ministry, but there's also that beautiful practicality of ministry. There's that balance of what has God called you to do, but how has God called you to do it? And he always calls you to do it biblically and with good boundaries and always in glory to him. And so I think your book, Debtless, is such a beautiful picture of how could I not only do what God's called me to do, but how can I do it in worship to him, both financially, both you know, spiritually, but also in community. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. It's been wonderful to, to talk and look forward to meeting you and your wife sometime in the, in the soon future. Uh, yes. But you can find out more about Josiah. We're going to have all the links to his social media as well as his website and his book. Make sure you pick up your copy of Debtless on Amazon.com. And that will be all the information on our Loud Conversations Facebook page. Again, this is Colleen Batchelder. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm here to encourage you and equip you and empower you to truly live out your destiny today.